my friends, nearly everything around you is going to change within this generation. Biggest fear in 10 years, not having a job. Should I go to med school or like nursing school? You've got to find what you love. Oh no, the future is here. My advice to you is to do what your parents did. Need to get a job at job. I want to explore the world and I want to use my craft to do so. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking and don't settle. If you packed for college over the weekend, you may have been looking forward to getting back to friends and the freedom of sheltered campus life after a grueling summer of waitressing or interning or numbing your mind in the mailroom. But look at the calendar, folks. How many more years do you have until you hit the real world? Three, two, one, blast off into an economy with about as much oxygen as deep space. So here at The Takeaway, because we care about you worried college students and your nervous parents, possibly not wild about the idea of having to eventually support a college grad living at home, we've got a radio job fair. That's right. We'll be open all month long, online and on the air. Tables for every career. MBAs over there. Wow, look at the line for coders and software designers. Not so much for journalists. Times do change. Healthcare booming, some bright spots in manufacturing even. Let's head over to this table. Not too busy. For information about becoming a lawyer. Hello, Mr. Katz, is it? Daniel Katz, hello. Uh, Thanks so much for uh, stopping by. Daniel Katz is here to help. He's an associate law professor at Michigan State Law School and director of the reInvent Law Laboratory with some practical advice for college students looking at the legal profession after they graduate. I would definitely encourage you to get a broad education. You know, you can take your poli-sci classes, your econ classes as well. But I I would say you want to make sure that you make yourself into a well-rounded individual. A basic background in analytics or quantitative thinking. A basic understanding of technology. Basic understanding of project management and process engineering. Basic understanding of finance and accounting. Being able to read a balance sheet. So when you come in and tell me I went to law school because I didn't want to do math, uh, that's not going to cut it in my class. All right. What about law school? Can I decide to go to law school at any time? Um, Do I uh, take a break before I go to law school? Is uh, law school, you know, kind of a a junior college affair, you know, compared with undergraduate or maybe even graduate uh, study in one of these specific fields like STEM? Well, I would encourage you to make sure you understand what it is that lawyers do before you embark on a legal education. It's not something you should just do because you don't have any other better option. If, you know, it often involves taking on significant amounts of debt, and it's not something you should do trivially. You should do your due diligence. What's the debt I can expect to take on? I mean, it depends on exactly which school you go to, whether they have uh, a scholarship or financial aid, but it's significant. You know, in many cases, it's 100000 sometimes more. And so you want to make sure that it makes sense for you. In general, I would favor folks having some professional experience before they do it because they have clear conceptions of what it means to be a professional in a workplace. They have some industry, perhaps, or some area. Maybe it's nonprofit or something. where They have some substantive area where they've, they've spent a little time and they've learned some things. So is that the best way to get a sense of the experience of being a lawyer, of you know, actually spending time in an office? What about a book I could read that would tell me, what the experience of being a lawyer is like. We're asking everybody that in in every field. Well, I I recommend a book that's not really about the law, but it's about a mindset that I think you should take regardless if you're going to be a lawyer, if you're going to be in anything, which is uh, The Startup of You by uh, Reid Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn. Um, We assign it in my class because I think it sets the right tone that you're your own personal startup and you bear responsibility for your own success and failure. I like to mix that with a message of I'm here to help you, but you have to help you too. 
And so what are you doing to establish your own brand, your own identity, your own professional uh, skills, and, and broadcast that in an appropriate way to would-be employers? What's the state of uh, employment in the legal profession right now? The industry is undergoing a transition from you know, what you might characterize as a sort of an artisan or guild sort of style of organization to a more manufacturing or efficient method of delivering services. This is why we really push sort of the lean methodology, which is really comes out of manufacturing. If you think about the production of, of legal work itself, the lean methodology is something that can be fruitfully applied to the work that lawyers do. And there are some law, large law firms, very large law firms, who are beginning to apply some, and, and corporate law departments that are beginning to apply that type of methodology, better, faster, cheaper work. I mean, the thing I've really been emphasizing is that sort of most of legal education historically has been kind of a liberal arts mentality or a liberal arts sort of centric education. And I would say what I've been trying to develop is a polytechnic legal education. And so uh, I'm writing a paper right now to sort of try to describe this. I would go out and try to explain this to people. People don't know what I was talking about. And I said, you know, if MIT had a law school, they'd still teach law there, of course, but it would be it'd have a very different orientation to it. And so I sort of think of what I, I that's sort of uh, my North Star is trying to build an MIT school of law. So is there a lawyer type in your view and in the classes that you have where you would see somebody and go, you know, you should be a lawyer? Well, I think if you think about, you know, what is it that lawyers are, are doing is they are reverse engineering complexity for people. The world is awfully complex. The legal system is awfully complex. And so they're reverse engineering complexity. I think that the great lawyers are kind of, you know, there's a Daniel Pink book, A Whole New Mind, which is about sort of left brain and right brain types. And that people that can kind of switch modes between left and right brain are sort of, you know, very well positioned. And I think that's the, that's a sort of characteristic. And it's rare in people. They tend to be sort of all one or, or mostly all one or mostly all the other folks that can kind of get the optimal ensemble of the two, I think, are, are well positioned. You know, one essential characterization of everything that lawyers do, I mean, there's all different types of lawyers working in all different types of contexts. And so that diversity means that any, any sort of single essential characterization is not, isn't going to totally hit the mark. So the country club, confident, sort of Winklevoss type of personality isn't necessarily what you need at all. Not necessarily. Obviously, there is always a question that I pose to my students, which is you need to figure out how you're going to get clients. I mean, at the end of the day, your ability to practice law is sort of relative to your ability to have a client who's willing to pay you money for your services. And so it is important to have some strategy about how that's going to happen. I had a student that owned a daycare facility and um, there's actually a lot of legal work. It's not something I know a tremendous amount about, but she said, you know, there's a lot of legal work, a lot of compliance work that has to be done in running this daycare facility. And her clients basically are all the daycare folks that she knows from working in the industry. And I thought that was very astute, that she had a business plan for how, how she was going to get her practice off the ground. All right, Daniel Katz, Associate Professor of Law at Michigan State University, the director of the Reinvent Law Laboratory. It's been great talking to you. Thanks so much. Uh, and I hope you go to law school. I got to go to the nanotechnology table next, I think. Okay. <laughs> you can check out all of our suggestions at the Takeaway Job Fair by going to the takeaway.org slash series slash job fair. One approach to finding a job is to move to where the jobs are. In rural America, there's a shortage of attorneys, and the states of Nebraska, Iowa, and South Dakota are among many states in the West trying to lure law students to places where there may be just a single lawyer for all the towns in an area hundreds of miles across. It means attorney John Thomas has all the work he can handle as the only lawyer in center Nebraska, 300 clients. 
but he's got to drive many hours to see some of them. Thomas wants to retire, and what he needs most right now is a junior partner for his clients when he goes. It's proving difficult. John Thomas joins me now. Thanks for talking with us, John. And thank you for having me. And you're uh, one lonely lawyer, I understand. Yes, I practice in a little county seat town of 94 people in center Nebraska. Now, does that mean you are really busy and are revered in your town, or do you experience the same sort of, you know, negativity that a lot of lawyers experience here in the big city? I've been county attorney for nearly 40 years, and so I figure that I've irritated everybody in Knox County at least once or twice and probably starting on the third round. <laughs> they got nowhere else to go, though. you got got 300 clients or so? Yes. I have a practice, a private practice, in addition to being the county attorney, and have clients from all over northeast Nebraska. Now, you talk with other attorneys in communities not unlike yours, and uh, this is a real problem in rural America, right? Sure. Uh, The parents of all of our kids say, go away to college, get your degree, uh, become a lawyer or a doctor or such, but they don't say, and then come back and do whatever in our little town. So there's really been an exodus of people from all of these uh, rural communities. And uh, in your community, if you were to retire, and I know you're trying to do that, um, what kinds of things would get stalled or be nearly impossible for your clients? Well, the main thing, I think, is that many of them would have to drive an hour to a a larger community that would have attorneys in it, uh, such as Norfolk, Nebraska. And uh, what do the judges think about all this? Do clients, uh, you know, come into court with no, no other option than to defend themselves? No, there's always somebody that gets appointed, but the judges, their lives have changed, too, because... They, the, the state of Nebraska wants them to focus on the larger communities and not to live in small communities. And so they, too, spend an hour or two driving whenever they have court outside of their home uh, county. And this affects housing. You can't close necessarily a, a real estate transaction. Um, issues, uh, everything from uh, driver's licenses to criminal cases are, are all affected people's income tax preparation. It would affect all of their land transactions, uh, questions they might have about their neighbor's fence uh, or cows or corn they want to sell this fall when they harvest. All of those things are the sort of things that rural attorneys help people with. Now, we can chuckle about cows and fences if if we want to, but uh, there's a constitutional right to um, representation by an attorney. Do you think uh, in sort of reality, that constitutional right is is affected by uh, the scarcity of lawyers? Certainly. It has gotten worse uh, over the years that I've been here in, in uh, Nebraska, in center Nebraska. Well, what's going to turn things around? Well, one of the little programs that the Bar Association here in Nebraska is working on that I'm helping the bar with uh, is a practice loan repayment assistance program, which is a fancy way of saying that we will help uh, law graduates that uh, work in counties with small populations repay their student loans. That's huge because they're coming out with huge student loans from their seven years in college. 
Well, it's a good pitch. Uh, speaking to us from Center, Nebraska, John Thomas is a part-time Knox County attorney who really represents the nationwide problem of scarcity uh, of lawyers in rural America. John Thomas, thanks so much. Thank you very much.